Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to episode 456 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. It is Tuesday evening, November 8th, 2022. The John Shire era has officially begun. Duke has beaten Jacksonville to open the 2022-23 season. The final score was 71-44, to and we are here to talk about it. I am your host for this episode. I'm Sam Klein. I'm coming to you from my home up in Massachusetts. I am joined by Donald Wine and Jason Evans, as always. Jason, actually, Jason, before we talk about the basketball game, just very quickly, very quickly. Yes. I know that you saw the new Black Panther movie last night. I did. Can I, watch, wait, 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 wait. I got to ask this question. I got it. I got yes. it. Because I'm going to see it. And I know Jason doesn't give away spoilers, so... You know, he's very good at that. But Jason, is does it live up to what people are expecting it to be? Well, that's tough for me because I don't know. Are you expecting it to be as good as the original? I'm expecting it to be fucking epic. <laughs> I know. I, I don't it is. I don't think it's fucking epic. No. Jason, Jason, get out. We can't. We can't I'm, have it. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's a very it's a very good movie. It's a very emotional movie. Like oh, I, I got that. caught up. I got caught up in the emotion of the characters and what they were going through much more than I was involved in the comic book story and the action and that kind of stuff. Um, I found a lot of that uh, kind of a lot of been there, done that. Um, in fact, I think there were some real missed opportunities with some of the action. Um, it was still good. Very good. Ryan Coogler knows what he's doing. But but the emotion is really what care. I will freely admit that I I wiped tears from my eyes a couple times. It is it's a very, very emotional film. And and that's what carries it, uh, especially through there's like a there's a middle third where there's, there's just a lot of talking going on. I was sort of like, OK, can we get on with something else? But anyway, it, it's a very it's it's the best. Of, uh, I'm still looking forward. Probably to you're, not, you're not shaking me off this tree. I'm going to go see it. So no, of course <laughs> not. You should go see it. It's a really good movie. If if you like Marvel movies at all, it's it's probably the best of the Phase Four movies. You know that low, lowish bar. I mean, yeah, really low bar because Phase Four has been pretty crappy. This one or this or Spider Man are the best. Spider Man No Way Home are the best of the Phase Four movies. Donald, one, you're also here and you've introduced yourself, I guess, so far. So you know, just how you doing? Hi. <laughs> That's hey, it. Dukes okay, want to know. Dukes want to know. I love it. <laughs> Duke is one to know, as we said, 71 to 44, the final score. We're going to do that recap. Wait, wait, is this the basketball or is this my movie podcast? I, I get confused. We're going to, we're no, we're doing basketball and we're, we'll, we'll do your movie <laughs> podcast another time. I promise. Uh, as soon as Jason, we'll do an entire movie episode. As soon as you finish return to glory. Uh, my, maybe December. I doubt it, but maybe, oh! December. <laughs> maybe, maybe Bomb dropped. I doubt it. I don't think so. I just went fully nuclear on you. I apologize. You did. That, that was, that, that was might've cruel. That might've got- been low. You I've know got what else two episodes. Wait, I've got two episodes in the bank, but I got to sure, finish. The, I got, I've got two more. I've got to finish. I've got to okay. finish the last two. It'll okay. get there. I promise. I believe you. I I'm thinking you. it may be a Christmas gift. Maybe, maybe. I doubt uh, it. The, the the Mike Shishovsky era ended before uh, before <laughs> Return to Glory finished. Oh, the John Shire era. It's Coach began. K. Wait, wait, hold on. It's Coach K's fault. I would have finished if oh. he had retired. I would seriously. He retired right as I was like in my grind. I was going. Oh, totally. And, and I and it threw us off, and by that at that point, it just it was gone. How far? Return to anyway, glory. We need to talk. Return to glory. We need to talk about the basketball Next. game that happened, uh, <laughs> and the one that happened yesterday. So yes, Duke wins. We're, we're gonna. By the way, I should mention 
We're going to recap the game. We're going to bring back our our I don't know if it's vaunted structure for traditional uh, traditional more than traditional vaunted. uh way of recapping the games. We're going to take a break. We will preview Duke's upcoming game against South Carolina Upstate, a great uh cross Carolina rivalry between Duke and South Carolina Upstate, but before we get to that, Duke beats the Jacksonville Dolphins 71 to 44. Probably the most notable thing is that it's John Shire's first game, but lots of new Blue Devils show out in their in their first opportunity here. So as is tradition, we will begin with the headlines. Jason Evans, you are going first. What is your headline for Duke's opening night victory against Jacksonville? My headline is new Duke era looks a lot like old fashioned Duke teams. Ooh, I like that. How about Donald? Mine is Mitchell Roach. Finish F I N in capital letters off Jacksonville for Shire's first win. Oh, you didn't want to go with P H I N? No, Finn. No, I went with Finn. Like if I like they have a dolphin fin, not like yeah, Finn. But fins. like I was just talking about dolphins. I'm, I'm not a Miami Dolphins, dolphins fan, so I don't I don't do that. So oh, no fins <laughs> up for you. No fins up. Okay, uh, and and uh, I've got a headline as well. Mine is, uh, and maybe this is for the the pessimists out there. Everybody relax. Everybody relax. <laughs> the John Shire era seems to be like not a disaster yet. And you know what? I went into last night thinking there's a huge range of outcomes that could happen here. No, no Coach K in the building. No Coach K anywhere to be found. No safety net. No, you know, if something goes wrong, like nobody takes the hit for weird things that are said in press conferences. Everything yesterday was like pretty normal looking. And so that was really exciting. Jason, do we have any headlines that came from listeners? For this game. We, we do the the K man David Kerman, who we can always count on to present us with some really good headlines, sent us a one that I really liked. He said, "Devils defense turns Dolphins into mahi mahi." <laughs> like that's that's pretty good. Little uh, little cooking reference there. Um, it's a little from... racy to to suggest that people are eating dolphins, but, mm. but yeah. I like it. Yeah. Uh, All right, and, and by the way, folks, we should remind everybody: send us your headlines. After every Duke game, we do this. Send us your headlines to dbrpodcast at gmail.com, and we will maybe read the best ones on the air. The K-Man comes through in game one. We will see who we can count on to give us the best headlines for game two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, all the way up to 40. So as is tradition following the game, we give the headlines, and then we move to the good. We will also talk about the bad, but let us start, as we do, with the good. And Donald, I think there are a few places that you could take the good because there were a few guys last night who either played above the expectations that we had coming into the season or who did things that we've never seen before. So take it any way you want. Give me your good from the opening night victory. I mean, I have a lot of good from this game, but I'm going to start with the two guys that were in my headline, Mark Mitchell and Jeremy Roach. Jeremy Roach, first of all, the captain. Uh, 16 points, all of them in the first half, four for seven from three, six rebounds, four assists, just one assist shy of a 10-5-5. But, I mean, Roach was all over the place. He commanded the offense, and also really when we needed shooting, he was able to provide it in spurts, especially in the first half. Mark Mitchell, athletic all over the place, always in, like, it felt like he was always around the ball, both on offense and defense. 11 points in the first half, 18 for the game, was just a menace. And again, a lot of the moves he had, uh, he was able to have a couple of quick first steps that created 
wide open lanes for him to drive and lay it in or dunk. Um, you know, the the play at the beginning of the game with Tyrese Proctor, where he basically just told Tyrese, throw it up and I'll go get it. Um, I, I like that. Like, I, I love, you know, when guys just say, hey, just throw it up in the vicinity and I'm just going to go get it. It was a straight, you know, school heart, schoolyard play. And he was able to set the tone from the opening tip with that. So uh, I, I started with those two. They were in my uh, they were in my headline. And I think those two guys did a lot of good in this game, but especially on the offensive end. I appreciate that you brought up both of them on Mark Mitchell. I feel like I was a little down on him in our season preview. I I, I was sort of is, is this. Is yeah. this the moment where I bring up the fact that we one of our preview items was Mark Mitchell minutes and you guys were both under 22. I was 23. I'm going to win that category. He already played Maybe. almost 30. He, he played almost 30 minutes last night. That dude's going to be on the floor. Two starters were out last night for Duke. Jason, we will see. And, we will see. Yeah. What What's fun about the stats game this year is that basically none of them are Almost none of them we will get early indicators because Lively and Whitehead should take up so much of the stats this season, and they're going to come in and they're just going to change the whole makeup of the team one way or another. I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but Mark Mitchell yesterday, as you said, Donald was outstanding on offense and showed, I think, glimpses on defense that that were pretty inspiring. I, you know, it, It's sort of funny to look at a game where Duke holds the opponent to 44 points on 34 shoot 34 percent shooting from the field, and I'm like, the defense was good, but like, I could I could see more. I I would like to I'd like to see more out of this defense. I'd like to see more turnovers. I'd like to see more pressure. Uh, Duke managed to to handle, and and I know we're just doing the good. Uh, so Duke managed to to bang with Jacksonville down low, and we talked about how Jacksonville had all the size, but Mark Mitchell brought a ton of that, and then back on Roach as you were mentioning, Donald, uh, I, I don't think we need Roach, as we said in the preview. It's not like Roach is going to rack up you know, a, a Duke record of assists this season. What he does need to do is facilitate and make everybody else feel comfortable, and I think he did a ton of that last night. He played a few different roles on both offense and defense. He did not take the lead defensive role on every possession, but he he did a lot to sort of demonstrate like, He's the he's the adult in the room on this team. So so I love that. Jason, what else did you have on those two guys? Or or you could even talk about some of the other guys in this team who who had great nights. Yeah. So I, I do want to talk about Mitchell, just like you guys did. I, I just he was at times the most dominant player on the floor. And his ability to move fast and change direction, which which is really his length. I mean, his unbelievable length. Um uh, that's just it's elite. It's borderline unstoppable, at least at this level. Maybe in the NBA it won't be, but at this level, it's borderline unstoppable because there just aren't many guys in college who can stay with someone who is that quick, that agile, that long, that athletic. Um, I thought his three-pointer looked a little bit flat, but it went in two out of five times. That's pretty darn good. Um, And one of the really interesting things I thought about Mark Mitchell, Jeremy Roach, and some of the other guys was, our depth, it felt to me like different players took turns dominating the game for Duke. First, it was Mitchell at the start. No question about that. Then it was Jeremy Roach for a little bit. Jalen Blakes. Blakes had a, had a had a run where he was incredible for Duke. In the second half, it was Kyle Filipowski and Ryan Young who did most of the scoring for Duke and who were the most dominant offensive players. I mean, think about the fact that we had so many different guys who stepped up at different times. And then... 
as we've mentioned, huge thing that we need to remember, arguably the two best players on this team weren't playing. I mean, one of the things uh, we talked about David Kerman, the K-Man, one of the things the K-Man wrote to us was he was like, I thought Flip and Mitchell had great Cameron debuts. And he said, you mean there are two other freshmen better than them? <laughs> right. And that's, that is like, that's really scary to think about because both those guys, look, Mitchell and Flip, Filipowski, those are, those were, Flip had a double-double, um, 12 rebounds. I, I, you know, I really should have gone back and researched this. I think it's been a long time since a Duke freshman had 12 rebounds in his first game. That's a big number. Uh, the notion that we have two other freshmen better than these two guys is like, wow. And Lively and is supposed to be a better rebounder, right? Yeah, like it's crazy. And a better yeah. blocker. Like, I mean, flip, yeah, had two, right. flip had two blocks and one of them I think still is being sent into orbit because uh, it was very, it was a very vicious block. Uh, and, and let me let me talk about the rebounding because the rebounding is another thing that I had in the good category. No question about it. We previewed that Jacksonville is like a top 20 rebounding team, both offensive and defensive boards. Duke dominated them on the boards. 44 to 25. We out-rebounded them by 19. Duke had 16 offensive rebounds for uh, on 33 missed shots. That's an offensive rebounding percentage of 47%. That's a huge number. Duke won the second chance points in this game, 18 to four against a team that's a really, really good, really experienced, really physical, really big team on the front line. Uh, that's really, that's super impressive. And I, 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 I expected from John, what John Shire told us that this team would be really good on defense. I expected we had we had more shooters than we've had in the past, and we'd be good shooting. We weren't great, but we were good shooting the ball. I did not expect this team to be as good on the boards as they were. Jason, we had as many rebounds as Jacksonville had points. Like that that's is crazy. A, that's a stat that should never happen, but it did. That's awesome. Let me bring up one reserve player who I was hot on coming into the season, and I think demonstrated some of what. John Shire is looking for out of him this year, and that's Jalen Blakes. Obviously not, you know, we didn't get crunch time activity yesterday unless you want to talk about the period late in the first half when Jacksonville cut the lead to three before Duke Does was not able count. to... Does not count in the stat to, time. No, 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 no. I, I'm, not, I'm not counting that as crunch time, but uh, Jalen Blakes came in. He, he ended up playing 20 minutes last night and uh, looked pretty pretty serviceable, at, at, at minimum serviceable. Uh, passing the ball around, made a couple shots, which was pretty cool. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm feeling good about my prediction that Jalen Blake's is, you know, certainly not a starter, but a a piece for Duke this season. Uh, so I'm I'm pretty psyched about that. That being said, about Blake's though, Jason, maybe you want to talk a little bit more about Duke's defensive effort from last night. Yeah, I definitely do. Jalen Blake's was was a a large part of it. The team was extending the defense and making life very, very difficult for the Jacksonville guards. We spoke about the fact that Jacksonville wants to play slow, and and they did, and they were better at imposing their pace on the game than Duke was. But our defense was up to the task of making them work the entire shot clock and then making them take a bad shot. They were just three of 23 on three-pointers. And by the way, two of those three three-pointers that they made came in like the final two or three minutes. At one point, I think I saw they were one of 19. Look, part of that is that Jacksonville had an off night from the perimeter. 
and we can't count on that happening all the time. But a lot of them being terrible, terrible from three was that the Duke guards were do and wings were doing a great job of contesting shots on the perimeter. I thought the help defense was outstanding. Mitchell and Grandison, especially, are so good at help defense with their length. They really they they, they did a, an excellent job. I thought of of hedging and and helping out and then recovering. Um, I thought Filipowski, who I thought was going to be a real concern on defense, did a nice job too. Uh, Ryan Young got lost a couple times. I was really watching the defense. Ryan Young got lost a couple times, but you know he got caught in some of the hedge and recovers, and and as a result, um, Jacksonville was able to get some some easier shots, especially in the first half. But overall, I thought the defense was really really outstanding. And it's worth noting we weren't just playing D with our feet and with our positioning. Um, and I'm not saying we're putting our hands on them a lot because that would be illegal and that would be against the rules. But Duke was being physical. We weren't letting Jacksonville get to the spots they wanted. Um, we were fighting through screens and fighting over picks and stuff like that. Uh, I thought Tyrese Proctor especially was excellent, excellent at fighting over screens to to stay with his man. This is a young team, but there are a lot of impressive bodies on this team. It doesn't feel like a club that's going to get knocked back very much. I mean, if you think you can push Duke around, allow me to introduce you to Grandison, Mitchell, Blakes, Filipowski, Ryan Young. Those guys are not going to be pushed around. And and I I just thought the defense was was outstanding. The identity of this team, John Shire has told us, will be the defense. Uh, you know, we only gave up 44 points in this game. That's a big defensive effort. I think the best part is that everyone goes to the ball. It feels like you're. It feels like our team is attacking on offense and on defense, and that really, you know, put Jacksonville on their heels, and they really didn't know for large stretches of the game how to contend with that. So, if that's going to be how this team plays, then that's an exciting brand of basketball that everyone's look, you know, can look forward to. You know, a team that literally is kind of like in football, right? You do the drills where a, a guy will throw, the coach will throw the ball, and then everyone on the defense circles the, whoever catches the ball. And the idea is, hey, everybody, 11 hats on the football. Here is five guys on the basketball. And it felt like even if even if Jacksonville was able to circle around one guy, there was one or two other guys waiting for him to stifle him again, and it forced a lot of bad shots. Hey, and one last stat I want to throw out you guys. Um, and we've talked about this a lot. Donald, I know you love this one. Um, assists per made basket. Duke had 19 assists on 27 made baskets. That's an assist percentage of better than 70%. Of the seven guys who sort of played regular minutes, um, we had seven guys play 21 plus minutes in this game. And and frankly, I know we have two guys coming back. I don't know which of those seven guys is going <laughs> to have to sit. I think we may be a nine-man rotation because those seven guys look fabulous. But of these seven guys who played, only Jalen Blakes failed to get multiple assists. Everyone else on the team had two or more assists in this game. Um, and it's ironic. Jalen Blakes, of course, is is a point guard. <laughs> and he will have games where he gets a decent number of assists. But I thought our our ball sharing was outstanding. We had 12 assists on 17 made baskets in the first half. Jacksonville had 11 made baskets in the first half. We had one more assist than they did made baskets. Guys, before we transition to the bad, I have a question about a specific player, and I'm not sure if it goes in the good or the bad. I know where you're but... going because I was going to say the same thing. Go ahead. Okay. So, so Donald, answer me this question. What do you think about the fact that Christian Reeves played two minutes in this game? <laughs> that is the question. It, it, it's, bye-bye it's, red shirt. It's yeah, done. bye-bye red shirt. Uh, but it also, I mean, I kind of think this is 
I don't know if this is a bad thing. I think this might be a good thing because it shows that, hey, this whole talk about Christian Reeves redshirting, yo, the kid's ready to play. And, and that even in the, you know, it was late in the game, but it sounds like it's someone that John Shire may call his number, especially if we get into foul trouble with some of our bigs. The great thing about this team is we have, you know, what, four or five, seven footers that we can throw at a particular team. And Christian Reeves is one of them. So it seems like, hey, he has the confidence uh, in Christian Reeves to go and say, Hey, you know I mean? Yes. It's a minute of garbage time, but get in there and see what you could do. And, you know, we saw what he could do. He, he had that, he got two offensive rebounds on the same play, put the ball back and made the end one. So, Hey, like if, if, if we're burning a red shirt because he's going to be playing a lot, then awesome. Um, so I, I say it's not necessarily a bad thing. Maybe it's a rain rain rains to be seen, but right now it's good. I, I don't think he's going to be playing a lot. Um, but to be clear, the red shirt is absolutely burned. There's some some people I've I've seen, you know, were a little confused. They're like, oh, can he play in like up to three or four games or six or seven games and still, you know, no. It, the rules are that that's only if you have a medical situation. The rules are um if you voluntarily play in a game and don't have a medical situation, then your red shirt is gone. So Christian Reeves um has uh has essentially blown this year. I well, I mean, he's blown his possibility of red shirt. Uh, again, I don't know that he's going to play a lot, but it's clear that they are perfectly happy giving him minutes when they can and that he was interested in having that happen for him. So that's that's cool. Yeah, I thought it was interesting given that it was like right at the end of the game and they didn't get him more burn because if he can only muster two minutes against Jacksonville, there probably aren't a ton of minutes for him, you know, during the during the part of the season where Derek Lively is on the roster, because that's another guy that would be ahead of him. Well, let me let me give you my theory on it, which is that my bet is that over the past, you know, few weeks, month or two, month or two, whatever it may be, that Christian Reeves has progressed a lot and has grown a lot because there was little question he was going to redshirt a month and a half ago or so. And now suddenly we've not only questioned it, we've, you know, we've thrown that aside. So it may be a situation where he's progressing and Shire is like, look, you know, we'll find times to get you play. And that play may increase as the season moves on. Um, so I, I think it could be a situation like that. It, it may be that they see this kid, you know, the trajectory he's taking that they think he really can be, you know, close to a part of the rotation in January or February. Let's move to the bad. And Jason, I'm going to prompt you with a specific topic to begin the bad. Uh, his effort on defense, I think, was was outstanding, as we mentioned about many of the players. But the offensive output for Tyrese Proctor last night, who we had been talking about, and Jason, I'm, I, I think I'm throwing this to you because I think you were the highest on this in the preseason. We were talking about the impact that Proctor might have on offense. There were some quotes this week about his excitement about playing point guard, uh, you know, in sort of a backup role to Jeremy Roach. But, but he specifically mentioned that one of the things he's excited about playing for John Shire is that John understands the point guard role. And Proctor seemed, I, I think you tell me if you agree with this, a little bit lost on offense last night, whether that was, you know, taking the wrong shot or not moving the ball in the right direction. What did you see from Proctor last night? And give me the the optimistic take maybe on his performance. I mean, the optimistic take is that this kid is too talented to have many games like he did this one where he was 0 for 8 didn't make a single shot um we've seen too much film on him of him really being successful playing against older players better players um better than Jacksonville I mean uh to to think that 
that this is what we're going to get from him on a consistent basis. I'm a little concerned that we've now, so we had the blue white game and we had this game. Those are two sort of big, I'm sorry, not the blue white. I mean the, the exhibition. Um, Those are, those are the two, you know, competitive situations where we really got to see Duke play. And in both of those games, Tyrese Proctor was pretty underwhelming Um, and, and seemed, I think he seems a little tentative, um, you know, you, you said seemed a little lost. I, you know, I, I could see lost a, a, as another word to describe it. it. It's troubling to me that, you know, in the, in the two hard examples of his play so far, we, we have not seen him be nearly the player that was expected. There was a lot of, a lot of talk that this kid was going to, you know, be a lottery pick at the end of this year. And he did not look like a lottery pick out there last night. I mean, he, he missed even a, a wide open, pretty easy layup. Um, but we've heard too many raves about him coming out of practice to to think that he is that he's going to be like this for the long term so i'm i'm confident it's going to change around but but you're right that was definitely one of the bad things in this game and hand in hand with him was Jaden shoot who also missed all his shots was over three and missed including missing one wide well, wide open three-pointer like no one near him um but i'm i'm confident both those guys they're too good to be that bad on offense often yeah for me i think when it comes to tyrus proctor you know there was a couple where it felt like uh, nerves is the wrong way to describe it but it felt like a nervous type of energy uh, a couple of those bunnies that he missed where you know of course you know 99 times out of 98 he's gonna make them um and he, he missed a couple uh he did hit the two free throws and you know i i joked with my best friend, like, Hey, I did not expect, you know, a free throw with two minutes left in the ball game to be the first points we see from Tyrese Proctor. Uh, but obviously they're not going to be the last. He's going to have games where he's going to improve. Uh, this was just a shaky outing for him and and he'll put it behind him. Yeah. I'm not super worried about it. it. It, as you said, Jason, it's a little concerning that there have been multiple instances of this early in the season, but we also know that he's, he's running a little bit behind the curve. Or, or behind the the development timeline of the other players, given his late arrival. So give me give me a couple more weeks to decide if if there's something really wrong here. I think the other nice thing that it demonstrated is that Duke does have, even without Lively and Whitehead on the floor, a fair amount of depth to cover up for, look, somebody who, who should be one of the main scorers for Duke this season. On a Duke team, by the way, that... I don't think I know going into the season, Ken Pomeroy thinks that Duke is going to be an elite offensive team. I don't know if Duke is going to be an elite offensive team this year. I think there might be more, you know, guile and athleticism to Duke's game than there is just like pure scoring. But to the extent that Duke does have a great, hey, as, as we've said, Sam, we need to see Whitehead to have any idea what the offensive ceiling. Totally, is. totally. But but to, but to the extent that Duke does have a great offense, I think Proctor has to be a factor in that, and he just wasn't last night. And Duke was still able to to score not easily, but but didn't feel like it was totally hold, held back from that. Jason, did you have any other elements in the bad that you wanted to highlight in addition to Proctor? Yeah, sure, and, and you sort of. Um... You, you leaned on it a little bit there in terms of the offense. Uh, the, I thought the second half offense was was particularly weak. Um, frankly, as I mentioned earlier, Kyle Filipowski and Ryan Young were the only guys who played well on offense in the second half. We only scored 29 points in the second half, and that's not going to get it done against most teams. We had 12 turnovers uh, in the game. That's not awful, but this was a slow game against a team that 
doesn't put a lot of pressure on the ball on defense. Um, I, I think 12 turnovers is at the upper range of what I would consider acceptable against a team like this. So that's a little bit of a concern. And then my last thing in the bad, and this is something we need to really pay attention to. Jeremy Roach got into foul trouble here. He, he had four fouls in this game. Uh, he, he actually picked up five fouls in the scrimmage against Houston. He fouled out of the Houston scrimmage. We had that box score. We didn't get to see it to know what happened, but we know that he fouled out of the Houston scrimmage, even though that was an abbreviated game. Remember, they only played a total of 32, not 40 minutes, 32 minutes, and he still fouled out. Um, he is too valuable a player for us to be worried about keeping him out of foul trouble. And I know I was praising Duke's defense and how we were playing physically on D, and, and that's really important. Jeremy Roach maybe needs to be the guy that plays a little less physically on D because I don't want us having to decide, okay, who's going to play point, who's going to be in there to be the steadying hand because Jeremy Roach is in foul trouble in a big game. And for me, I think there was a couple of others that, uh, again, things that early in the season I'm not too concerned about. Uh, the first one, Jaden Shoot, uh, he came in, he didn't have, uh, you know, didn't have his great game. Three, yeah, I think he took three field goals, missed them all. Uh, but I'm pretty sure this is something where we can, you know, again, He's not going to have these games all the time. He'll get his shots. And again, first game jitters, whatever that is, we can do. I think the other two things that we will look to see that improve over the the course of the season, they had 12 turnovers in the game. Obviously, that's a little bit on the high end. We want to keep those under 10. Uh, Jason, I think last year we talked about, you know, whether we were under 12 turn, uh, turnovers in a game or above 12 turnovers, how we usually fared and usually above 12 turnovers did not end great for us. So we want to make sure that that number is a little bit low. And then finally seven for 11 from the line. There's a couple of guys that missed a couple of free throws. Seven for 11 isn't necessarily the concern for me. The concern for me is getting to the line. And I think there's a couple of opportunities where guys uh, could have gone hard to the hole and got to the line and maybe had that free throw count go up a little bit, but we just didn't get it. Jason, before we wrap up this recap of Duke's opening game, I know you had one final point you wanted to ask us about. Yes. So this is a, a new thing that I'm sort of going to debut, and I don't know that we'll do it every time. But favorite play. I have two nominees for my favorite play from the game. Um, and I, I'm interested in seeing if you guys agree with these and which one you pick, or maybe you have another one to nominate. My first nominee is... Um, in the second half, Jalen Blake said that ball where he knocked it away from someone. It was going out of bounds, and he showed absurd speed, instincts, length, everything you can possibly have to dive out of bounds and save the ball. Duke then raced up the other end of the floor, and if we'd scored, it would have been my favorite play for sure. Unfortunately, we didn't score, but Jalen, I just thought it was incredible defense and instincts by Jalen Blake's to even to, to knock that ball away and then save it. But then my other nominee for favorite play was, did you guys see the moment where Tyrese Proctor threw the ball to Kyle Filipowski in the high post and flip flipped it like lightning fast to Ryan Young underneath the basket for a layup? Wow. Kyle Filipowski in the high post is a weapon. Um, if you are Syracuse, which is a team that you can get the ball in the high post against, I, I am Kyle Filipowski is going to have a, a ton of assists against Syracuse. Jason, I'm so glad you picked that play because that was my favorite play of the game. The the Filipowski pass. Just what was amazing is how quick he he turned that ball. Like yeah. he, 
I, I, I don't know when he realized that Ryan Young was back there. So that was pretty amazing. Donald, did you have a favorite play to add? Yeah, there's there's two that I want to make note of. One, I think the opener, uh, the alley-oop at the beginning, because again, it set the tone yeah. and right off the bat. Like, that's like, again, first game, first, you know, first game for John Shire, first game for these players, right, right in front of camera, just bam, right out the gate. Uh, but I think the one that I had that was a hustle play in the second half, those ones you mentioned were great, but there was also one where Ryan Young had like three offensive rebounds in like one play, essentially. He grabbed the oh, ball. Oh, yeah, I love he that. Tipped, yeah. And it was going out of bounds, so he flipped it to one guy, another guy missed it. He grabbed the ball again, flipped it back out, grabbed the ball again, and was fouled on the way down and got the foul um, where he was able to, I think at that point, we were in the bonus and go to the line. So point. I thought he got a three-point play, maybe. Or, may, or no, no, it was a, he missed the, he missed the jumper. Uh, that's right. He, that's right. Yeah. But he, you know, he went to the free throw line. But yes, I think those sort of hustle plays are going to be welcome. And especially from a veteran that teaches the young kids, hey, get on the ground, make some, you know, in a word, in a word, get, get your uh, jersey dirty, uh, so to speak. And, you know, make those hustle plays because they're going to end up being, you know, things that can, that can help you win the game. All right, Jason, I, I think we, we like this segment. So we'll, we'll keep it around. Let us know, uh, listeners, how you feel about about favorite play. And if you're sending us emails with your headlines, you might as well include your favorite plays from the game, right? Yes, yes. I like Absolutely. it. Absolutely. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll see how we do on that. Guys, let's take a quick break. When we get back, we are previewing Duke's next game. It's second game against SC Upstate. Stick around. All right, gentlemen, Duke has its second game of the season this Friday night. They are hosting USC Upstate, the Spartans from Spartanburg. They're the Spartans from Spartanburg. They are coming into Cameron Indoor Stadium from the Big South Conference, and they expect, I hope, uh, or at least Duke expects, to to walk over them. Uh, let's, see if, let's see if Duke can replicate its, uh, its standout performance from its first game. So, Donald, I'm going to throw it to you first. Early in the season, it can be tricky for us to do some of these previews because we're dealing with a lot of new guys on on opposing teams. There's not a lot of info yet about how they're performing yet this season. Uh, Upstate has only played one game. They played last night uh, against a non-D1 opponent, so those are impossible to calibrate against. But, Donald, what do we know about the Spartans from Spartanburg? Yeah, so uh, that team that they beat, that's a non-D1 school, was Brevard, which is in Florida. They beat them 90-42, to 42, so yes, we're not taking a lot from that. Not, uh, not even not even D2, they are D3. D3, yeah. So, I mean, this is not, I mean, that was not an opponent that we need to worry about as far as this particular portion of previewing them. But let's go back to last season, uh, or at least first, let's let's start talk about this season. Besides Duke, they will also play Clemson, South Carolina, and Florida State in non-conference play. So they have a couple of ACC and SEC opponents that they're going to face besides our Blue Devils. They were, last year, they were 15 and 17, but they went, they were fourth in the Big South. They went 10 and 6. They lost in the big t- in the Big South semifinals, and then they played in a postseason tournament that's called the bit the basketball classic, where they beat App State, and then they lost to South Alabama in the second round of that tournament. So, uh, for me, I think you look at USC Upstate, and this is another opportunity for our team to get better. Will we see Derek Lively on Friday? Possibly. We we don't know. We'll see how that is progressing. But when it comes to a lot of things. And, and I'm thinking back to last night and the post-game presser that John Shire had. He said that, hey, we're not mid-season form with our chemistry yet. And so this is an opportunity to work on that chemistry, improving play bit by bit. 
emphasize and reduction of uh, some of the turnovers. We mentioned that and improving, in my mind, the trans transition defense and kind of working in some of those areas and also some of these combinations that we'll see on the floor. So I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing this team continue to improve game by game. This is just another step in that. Obviously, people are looking forward to the game a week from now against Kansas and this will just be a nice little prelude to that. But, hey, let's work on some of the things we're doing uh, that we need to improve on so that we're ready for that big game. You know, you, you mentioned Derek Lively. John Shire said in the postgame that he expects Lively to play on Friday. It doesn't sound like it's a sure thing yet, but it sounds like they're definitely eyeing that as a, as a pretty likely At least an thing. appearance, right? Like he, he yeah. may not start, but at least, at least he's going to get, you know, get his curtain call. Right, right. I, in terms of USC Upstate, um, again, like you said, there's just not a lot we can glean from that first game against a D3 opponent. They had, they did have 10 different guys play double digit minutes. So they, they went really deep, but I mean, it might as well have been a scrimmage to play a D3 team. Um, it's worth noting that most of their better players from last year, not all of them, but most of their better players are gone either to graduation or transfer or something like that. Their roster has been remade, um, with guys with mostly with transfers from Navy, um, from Western Carolina, San Diego State, West Virginia. But it's worth noting that like the guys coming from Navy and, and West Virginia, like and San Diego State, the bigger programs like that, um, they were guys who basically were not playing at those programs at all. Guys were playing like, you know, two or three minutes a game and not appearing in every game. So this is a roster that is not super talented. They don't have a lot of size. They've got one guy who's 6'10, got a couple guys like in the six eight range. But none of these guys seem really big and beefy. They're they're certainly not as experienced or as uh, as talented as the Jacksonville front line was. I think the Duke will probably be able to have their way inside, and Duke's going to be bigger at virtually every every position on the floor. Um, there is a player to watch, and I want you to keep an eye on this guy. They have a sophomore wing named Jordan Ganey. He was the Big South freshman of the year a year ago. Um, he probably could have transferred someplace, but he chose to stay there. And, you know, full credit to him for deciding to stick it out at, at a smaller program and, and try and get better. Um, I don't know that he'll last forever because my bet is he's going to transfer someplace at some point because this dude can play. He can shoot. Last year, he hit better than 49% of his three-pointers. He had the fifth best three-point percentage in all of Division One, and he didn't do it by not taking a lot of threes. He shot more than five three-pointers per game. And he hit 49% of them against Brevard, the team, you know, we talked about, he just hit three of four the other day. Do not give this guy an inch or he will go off on you. It, you know, if there's one thing to worry about from Duke's standpoint, it is that Jordan Gaining, again, the big South freshman of the year, a year ago, that he just keeps them in the game by, by shooting them, you know, to not to victory, but at least to being competitive. It's worth noting USC upstate, is not as good as Jacksonville. Jacksonville is like a top 150 team. USC Upstate is like bottom 100 in the country. Ken Pomeroy has them 301st in his rankings. He projects them to be like one of the 30 or so worst teams in the country on defense. They do play a faster pace than Jacksonville does. Um, so this could be a game where Duke gets to 100. We talk about, you know, can Duke get to 100 points in a game? Um, Bart Torvik expects Duke to win the game 89 to 62. Ken Pomeroy expects Duke to win 87 to 60. If those guys are projecting Duke to be up close to 90 points, then you know 100 is a distinct possibility. And you know that if the main threat 
for an opponent that is generally overmatched for Duke is a wing player who is going to be bombing it from outside. Duke has a number of options of guys to just throw at him, whether that's, you know, with Dariq Whitehead out, uh, because Dariq Whitehead might have a huge impact on the defense when he returns. But you can throw Mark Mitchell at him. You can throw Tyrese Proctor at him. You may be Grandison. Grandison. If this kid starts to go off, you're going to see Grandison. Uh, you could even see Jeremy Roach on him for a period, uh, depending on, you know, Roach will have, I think Roach will have some games where we're like, wow, what a defensive effort that he he has put on uh, in, in this particular game. So that's the, you know, if, if Jacksonville was sort of primed to, I don't know if it was upset Duke, but at least give Duke a little run given their size and, and the way that they slow it down, it feels like upstate is going to be able to play into the way that Duke would like to, to play more. Um, and so maybe that even creates more of an advantage for Duke than it did against Jacksonville. Hard, I hope, to take too much away from this upcoming game. As you said, Jason, this team where Jacksonville is is probably competing for their conference, Upstate is like barely even doing that where, where they're coming from. So that's going to be tough. That being said, it is the final tune-up before Duke uh, heads under the big lights next week for the Champions Classic to face Kansas, which is going to be a totally different experience than this one. So whatever jitters that the, the team has to get out before that game, let's get them out here uh, on Friday night. And and hugely important for hopefully for Derek Lively to get some time with these guys in a competitive game. Um, I really, really hope we get to see him. But yeah, you're, you're right, Sam. Jacksonville was a threat. Upstate is not going to get an upset. Oh, I like that. All right, guys. Let us uh, wrap up for this episode. We're not going to do player of the week because we have another game to to play this week before we do. We always do player of the week at the end of the, I don't know, is it like the Western week? It ha- The week ends on Saturday. So we will. Yeah, once we're done with the last game in the calendar week. The Jewish week ends at, at the end of Saturday. So uh, so any games uh, through Saturday, we have to include in player of the week. We'll do player of the week this weekend after we get the SC Upstate game. Uh, stick around generally the DBR podcast feed. We do have a fun interview coming up this week. Uh, I won't tell you too much about it, but I think you'll have uh, a good time with that one. So stay in touch with us. DBR podcast at gmail.com. The headlines, your favorite plays, general reactions to the game. We love all that stuff. DBR podcast at gmail.com. The season has started off in a good way. Let us hope it continues a pace for Jason Evans. For Donald Wine, I am Sam Klein. This has been episode four, five, six of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Duke Bank, take us home. <laughs>